Welcome, welcome to episode three. Um, it was a little bit of a mishap, and we actually lost our first week of our spirit series. So this is actually officially our, I mean, third episode we've posted, but uh, we kind of missed one episode in between. So last episode I said it was the third one, but this is our actual third one. So that being said, uh, welcome to week three of our spirit series here at First Prez OC. Um, hope you guys are enjoying it and getting caught up with past series if you guys have been listening. Uh, this week we talked about uh, angels and demons and the devil a little bit just to kind of give a an understanding of what the spiritual realities are uh, and kind of spiritual warfare that we might face and the intentions and the strategies of the devil um, and kind of put to put to bed some misunderstandings or myths about angels and kind of what their roles are, what they do, what their powers are, and what even the power and extent of the devil himself is, uh, just so there is no confusion about those things for our students and we can all stand confident in God and his power as Christians. So that being said, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this and can get a lot out of it, as I know a lot of us here uh, last week got to enjoy it as well. All right, let's pray, guys. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for the fun we get to have. We thank you for uh, just all that you're doing, Lord. I pray that you would just uh, be honored and glorified by our worship to you. I pray that we would just focus our hearts and our minds on what you have for us tonight and that we wouldn't let anything distract us or pull us away um, from the amazing lesson um, and the amazing teaching you have for us tonight. That's your mighty name, we mighty name <laughs> Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, just the opportunity and blessing we get to be able to come together as your family um, and give you uh, the worship and praise and honor uh, that you deserve, God. Um, let us not uh, be distracted uh, and pulled away from what you have, but let us just hear um, the good word that you have for us tonight. Um, we love you. Jeremiah, name for Jesus. We pray. Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll call it there. All right. So yes, we talked about spiritual gifts last week. Obviously, we are. We are. Talk, no, 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 Emma. I just said don't eat them today. Yeah, eat them later. Um, but uh, so last week we talked about spiritual gifts. First week we talked about the difference between the Holy Spirit um, and worldly spirituality. And this week we are talking about angels and demons and spiritual warfare, guys. All right. So. Um, is a very interesting um, thing, and so I know. So, guys, I've tried to get as much information in each of these lessons as I can without making it like an hour long. Um, so, you're, there's going to be bits and pieces that you're like, "Man, I want to know more about that," or "I want to find out more about that," or "Why didn't Gabe go more in depth with that?" Because we could be here for like three hours talking about each and every one of these things. But instead of doing that, I'm just trying to give you guys a good idea of each of them. All right, so. I just want to be able to clarify some things and really be um, clear about some stuff uh, that might be some misconceptions or misinformation that people have about angels and demons and spiritual warfare and specifically the devil. All right? So we're on the same page here? Cool. All right. So first things first, we need to be aware that angels are created beings. All right? So we're just going to hit the ground running. Angels are created beings. Now, oftentimes people mistake angels um, with God because it's, they're associated with God. And so instead of actually recognizing that there's a difference between the two of them, oftentimes people like to pray for an angel to protect them or pray to angels to show them favor or to do something like that as if angels have divine power themselves. But angels are created just like we are created, but there's a difference between angels and us, and we'll go into that a little bit. Um, but we cannot make the association that angels are able to grant wishes and do anything or like listen to our prayers themselves, because angels are created for a purpose by God. They're not just things that have always existed all the time. God put angels in the heavens and the earth into existence. And he even talks about in Genesis 1 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? So obviously, that's just the origin of like everything. Not only was it talking about the, like, the earth itself and the stars in the sky, the universe, but like the heavenly realms. God created everything. He created for himself an eternal dwelling place, what we call heaven. All right? And in Nehemiah 9 6, it says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, in all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. It's in Nehemiah 9.6, for you guys that don't have that. So, Nehemiah. There you go. Yeah, Nehemiah. There you go. So anyways, listen, so... Um, it talks about in this passage, especially in Nehemiah, it says the highest heavens. So we have to understand that in Hebrew, they had a similar word for like heavens, which meant like the sky. 
And so they talked about like the, the blue sky that we see, and then they thought had another word that was also like heavens, but it meant like the stars in the sky. And then there was the heavens that was like above the stars in the sky, which is where God dwelled. So there was multiple words that we'd use for heaven or heavens as, or the skies, but there was a differentiation between which heaven or which layer of existence that they were talking about. So it was either like the blue sky, the stars in the universe, or where God was in the highest of heavens beyond that. That's what it's talking about here. They're talking about you created the heavens, even the highest of heavens. He created it all. So that's what we're talking about. And it's also going back to Genesis 1 where it talks about he created everything. And so if heaven, this eternal dwelling place for the Lord that he created, was also something that he manifested out of his own like power, which in turn means that the angels themselves at some point were also created with them. It wasn't something, they, they didn't just always exist with God all the time. Because God is the only soul being that has no beginning or end. God has always been. That's why him being eternal is important. So he's, there's no creating him and there's no end to him. So God is forever and always. And angels are not the same as that. <laughs> angels have not always been. And they had a beginning. They had a point where God put them into motion. And so angels created by God are created by God. And we know that angels also serve God. Angels are the kind of handymen and the people that do what God asks them to do. And in Psalm 91.11, I don't have this for a thing, but in Psalm 91.11, it says that, For he will command the angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. So that's a reference directly to God commanding the angels. It's not the angels just doing whatever they want. The angels that are in heaven in service to God listen and follow to God's commands. That's why if you're to pray to an angel, you're praying to someone who can't do something for you because it's God who's the one that ordains what they do and when they do it. Not just willy-nilly our prayers tell them what to do. You guys follow me? So that's why it's really important to recognize that there's a difference between angelic beings and God himself. They're still heavenly beings that exist beyond what we can comprehend, but they are still created. They have a point of creation, and God's the one who did that. Um, and angels um, are only made known to people or made aware to people at very specific times in the Bible. And typically, whenever people see an angel in the Bible or they hear or talk to an angel, it always serves a purpose. It usually is to deliver a message to somebody or give guidance to them or to carry out God's punishment. So, you know, for instance, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, God sent an angel of the Lord to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So there was angels that he sent to wipe out those cities. And there's other specific instances in the um, Bible where it talks about him sending angels to do things. But there's no like, hey, this angel just kind of went haywire and decided to like make a really cool tree for the people. Like, there's no like off shoots of just them like angels that are within God's um, heavenly host that just kind of do their own thing. Now there are only a few named angels in the Bible as well. So this is something you guys might have heard like archangels and things like that. I'm sure you guys might have heard those things. But there is there does seem to be some kind of hierarchy, meaning there's like rankings of responsibility that God has given to angels. And it's also something that we have to recognize too is like when we are in heaven with God, he also talks about that 
he's going to give us responsibilities in his new kingdom. So there's that's also part of it, and we'll get into that a little bit next week, talking about Revelation and end times and stuff like that. But when it comes to angels, we also have to look at, there's like some angels that have higher responsibilities than others. And there's also, because of that, a lot of angels are kind of generic and very unknown. We don't really know much about them. They look really crazy and magnificent, but we don't really know much about who they are or what they're doing. But there are a few angels that we do know of, and one of them is Gabriel, um, the messenger angel. So he, Gabriel, um, specifically um, was a messenger to Mary whenever Mary was told that she was going to be with the Savior of the world. So it says that Gabriel was the one who came and delivered that message to Mary. All right. So Gabriel's the almost the the messenger of God, the messenger angel. And there's also Michael, the angel. And so Michael is also given the title of an archangel, um, very specifically. And a lot of what he is known for in the Bible when we talk about him is him either defending or battling. There's some kind of spiritual battle against demonic or evil spirits that he's doing. Um, and even in Revelation, it talks him leading a battle. Um, and so that's kind of the two main angels that we see that are named more specifically. Um, but typically, most angels are fairly generic, but they always serve a purpose and they're always doing God's bidding. Now, this is where we get to another angel, which is mentioned and probably most known to everybody, and that is Satan or the devil. All right. Um, now, it's important to recognize that the devil is also an angel, but he is a fallen angel. He's an angel that fell out of God's grace, and he had lost his place in heaven and has been cast out from heaven in God's presence along with all of his followers, which is what we also say are the fallen angels, which are demons, is what we would know them as, right? So when you think about, like, demons, we always think about, like, oh, they're like horns and ah you know like all dark and scary and like all these crazy things and they might be some kind of weird like twisted thing now because they have allowed sin and become tainted by sin by rebelling against God I can't tell you what they look like specifically but I can tell you that every angel at one point was in service to God and every demon is a fallen angel including the devil himself all right and if you look at the hierarchy of angels, there's, there's a lot to suggest in the Bible that Satan is a very high-ranking angel. And it talks about in the Bible that Satan had pride in his heart, and that is what cast him out of heaven. It was a pride, and that was kind of what set off a big old rebellion in heaven and a big old war, and that's a whole other thing. We'll get into that. But So angels are created, and they're directed and served by God. Um, and Satan, or the devil, is also... An angel, and he's a fallen angel. Uh, if we see in Revelation 12, uh, so I'll move this so you guys can actually see the bottom corner. Revelation 12, <laughs> 7 through 9, as we see specifically about this and kind of how these angels were cast out. So then war broke out in heaven. Michael, so this is the archangel Michael I was telling you guys about. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. So we can see that the demons we hear and talk about were also angelic beings at one time that were created by God, but were cast out 
They were cast out of heaven because they followed Satan and they rebelled against God. All right? So it's important to point out because that also means that if Satan and his demons are angels, one, that means they are limited in power. All right? It's not like this is, we can't think that the devil and demons have just unlimited power, can do whatever they want, and have ultimate control over anything and everything. No. They are beings that are limited in what they can do. So, meaning like the devil is not omnipresent, meaning he is not everywhere all the time. The devil is not all-knowing. Only God is everywhere and knows all. And it also is present in everything. So if we think that, oh man, like the devil's like right around the corner, he's haunting me or anything like that, you have to realize the devil can only be at one place at one time. And same with any of his demons and any of the people that follow him. So it's not to say that the devil's just lurking around every corner for every single person. They are limited in what they can do because they are created beings that were angels. They're not God. They are separate from him and they do not have that power. And ultimately, we have to remember in that because they are created by God as angelic beings and are limited, they are not omnipresent and they are not all-knowing. They also still have to answer to God because Jesus has authority over all. Jesus has authority over all. We can never, ever forget that while we can look at angels and demons and look at, oh man, they might be powerful or they might have this vendetta or whatever, they might be evil. But ultimately, Jesus still is the ruler and has authority over anything and everything that happens. If he wanted to, Jesus could snap his fingers and make everything go away. But he has grace with us and he's fighting a war for us. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28 that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which means there's not anything Jesus isn't over. And there's nothing that is too big for God to overcome. There's nothing that prevents God from working. If he so chose to, if God wanted to, he could overpower anything and everything he wanted to. So we can't think and be like, oh, I'm so terrified because if Satan gets me, like, I'm gone forever. Well, not if God has anything to do with it. We have to remember and recognize that Satan and his power is limited, but God is eternal and unlimited in his power and in his scope. And the thing is, even before, whenever, you know, Jesus in Matthew 28 is right before he goes up to heaven, way before that, he also makes the very same claim or he exercises that same authority over demons before he's even raised from the dead. Him just existing as he is. The demons themselves shuddered in fear of Jesus and just by recognizing and knowing who he is. In Luke 27, uh, Luke 8, 27, we see that even before Jesus has told his disciples all this, he had all authority over the evil spirits. So it says in Luke uh, 8, 27, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from a town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. 
Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand many times, oh yeah, it had seized him, and though he was chained in hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Legion, he replied, because my demons, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was, fle- was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Now, when you look at the story, yes. Yes. Okay, just close the door. Close the door. You're good. Just close. Yeah, don't. No. So when you look at this story, it's important to recognize that for one, Jesus hadn't even said anything, and this demon already was shuddering and falling at his feet because it recognized that God Himself was entering into the situation. The demons were asking Him for permission to go where they wanted to go. And not only that, They were asking for mercy from him because they knew and recognized that Jesus was the one who had the authority to send them to the abyss. Whatever that really means, I don't really know. But I know if demons don't want to go there, I don't want to go there either. (laughs) And they were begging for mercy because Jesus was the one who has the authority to send them wherever he wants them to go. And he allowed them to go into the pigs. And then the pigs all jumped into the sea and all drowned. Which is a whole crazy thing. But that story in itself shows that Jesus has all the authority he ever could need over any demon. Including Satan himself. So demons demons and the devil himself have to answer to God. Because they too are heavenly beings that are created by him. And God has all the authority above anything and everything. So then we have to ask, really, when you think about all this, what the heck does the devil and his followers want anyways? If if God has all the authority, and if he's omniscient and omnipresent and has all the power in the entire universe, and more than the universe, to create the universe itself, what the heck are they doing and what do they want? Simply put, Satan wants us far from God. That is always Satan's aim. Satanist demons do not want us drawing closer to God. The devil doesn't want us building and strengthening our relationship with God. Now, we can't forget in all this angels and demons talk that everything we're talking about in this whole topic is centered around God and what God is trying to do. And God is trying and he's working on saving us here on this earth from our sin. God is in the business of redemption and redeeming everybody who walks the face of the earth. Because if God were just end everything right now, everybody who doesn't have a relationship with him is going to go to hell. So God has patience not only with us, but he also has patience with the adversary, the enemy, the devil, waging war against him battling for us. Jesus' whole reason for coming to earth was to free us from ourselves, from our own sin. But this all relates again back to why we sin in the first place. 
it goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden. We were there. We were sinless. We were just hanging out. God had given us free will. He says, hey, don't eat from that tree, but you can have everything else. Go and multiply. Go work the earth. Build and enjoy in this creation that I've made for you. And then Satan comes along and he tempts Eve. So from the very beginning, Satan was already an adversary to what God had established. Satan was the one who came in and tried to manipulate us in our free will. And he pushed us towards sin. And we gave in to that. So we are still responsible for that. And we're still living with the effects of that today. And why did Satan tempt Eve? Why did Satan try and get us to sin and eventually did get us to sin? Because since the devil and his followers are cast out of heaven, they are trying to keep as many people from coming to faith, from coming to faith and being with God in heaven. Because for every person that comes to faith in God, that brings more glory and more honor to God. And Satan doesn't want that. Satan rebelled against God. And so you're looking at me like, why? Because Satan had pride in his heart. Satan was a beautiful angel that had pride in him, and he was cast out because of that. And so we have to recognize that Satan's goal is to pull as many people away from God as possible, to distract us and to lie to us. His entire existence is based around receiving glory for himself and taking away glory from God. And that's why the Bible tells us that it was pride in Satan's heart that led him and his demons to be cast out. And that's where this rebellion broke out as well. It's because of that pride that broke out and they said, hey, you need to get out of here. Like, you have sin in your heart. And obviously, heaven, there is no sin in heaven. And when their pride starts welling up, God cast him out. And the fallen angels went with Satan as he left heaven. Now, Satan just wants the glory for himself and to get it away from God. And the thing is, if people are coming to faith in God and bringing God glory, that's the exact opposite of what he wants to happen. And so everything he's doing is trying to mess up what, like whatever it takes. He's, he's trying to mess up the process of people coming to faith in God. He's trying to distract us from doing that. And that's kind of what this conflict comes down to. When you talk about spiritual warfare, guys, Spiritual warfare is the battle for the souls of people here on earth. It is God trying to redeem people out of their sin and be with him in heaven. And it is Satan trying to keep people in their sin and not being redeemed and keeping them out of heaven so they can be punished just like he is and the rest of his demons. So it's that that's what that spiritual warfare always is. It's Satan and his demons antagonizing us to get us away from God. And sometimes it's like this evil attack and it's some that's like very traumatic and dramatic thing. But it's not always that. And most of the time it's actually not. Most of the time it's very subtle things that the enemy does to get us distracted and pulled away from God. And the thing is, that spiritual warfare that's happening, that's the whole reason that Jesus came down to die for us was to put a stake in the ground and he, he drew a line in the sand and says no 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 I'm drawing the battlegrounds this is the war that we're going to be waging and this is how it's going to be established 
Jesus came so he would draw a line in the sand and say, hey, if you're with me, you're safe, period. There is no taking back what I've given or what I've taken for myself. If we look in 1 John 3, 8, it says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And the devil will use anything he can to mislead us and throw us off and keep us away from God. And that includes us as Christians, guys. Because guess what? As a Christian, we are also living a life that glorifies God. And guess what? The devil doesn't want that. He doesn't want God to have any more glory. He wants to take that glory away. And so even us as Christians... Satan will try and tempt us and put things in our way that cause us not necessarily not to lose our relationship with God, but to not be as close with God. Because guess what? The farther you're away from God, the less you're in community and relationship with God, the less you're going to honor him with your life. The less you're going to be living for God. And that's what the devil wants, even for us as Christians. And for those that aren't Christians, the devil's just going to try and Keep them away. And it talks about that Satan is the master of lies. That everything that comes out of Satan's mouth is a lie. That he's the king of deception. That he uses manipulation and evil tactics to distract us from the truth of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The devil wants to pull us away, but most of the time he does it with subtle tactics. Because guess what? Satan can't overpower God. <laughs> So instead of overpowering God, he tries to just do little tricks, little things on the side that slowly start pulling us away, that slowly start dragging us and getting our eyes away from Jesus. And that's mostly how Satan does a lot of his work. It's not obvious. It's very subtle. The thing is, when you think about Satan being the master of lies and feeding us lies and preying on our temptations. He'll start feeding and encouraging thoughts into our own minds that are lies that we even as Christians tell ourselves or that other people tell themselves. And they go against what God actually says. For instance, the devil will tell you, you're too far gone. God can't forgive that. The devil will say, you don't matter. He isn't listening to you. The devil will say, it's all made up. God isn't real. And the devil will also say, reading your Bible and praying doesn't make a difference. You shouldn't need to do it. But those are all lies straight from the pit of hell. Because the blood of Jesus covers over all of our sin and is greater than anything we can do. God tells us that he hears our prayers and listens intently to our needs and wants us to share with him because he cares for us. God tells us that he is closer to us than the breath in our lungs and that he never leaves us or forsakes us. God reminds us that the word, his word, is alive and active and sharper than any sword. And he tells us that we should pray without stopping because when we pray, we are calling upon the very power of God and God's might. 
Satan doesn't want us to know these things. He doesn't want us to remember these things. But that's why, that's why we have to stick so closely to God's word. And we cannot let the devil get a foothold and start believing falsehoods and start praising an angel. You think, oh God, or oh, like angels, come protect me. You don't need to pray to an angel, you need to pray to God. Because it's God's power who protects us. It's not my strength, it's not your strength, it's not your family's strength. It is 1,000% the blood of Jesus that saves us, and that's it. And that's the thing that we have to remember that once I'm God's, once I put my faith in Jesus, Satan can't touch me. Because guess what? I'm God's. And what God says is his, he never lets go. So when we think about these spiritual battles and the spiritual warfare, yes, the enemy will try and get at us in little ways. And we might even come, to, come under spiritual attacks at times in various different ways. But in all of that, we need to remember the truth that Jesus is greater than it all. That Satan has no power over Christ. And that as Christians, we are set apart for God because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And nothing on this earth or in all of creation can overcome the power of God. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much. Um, we thank you for, Lord, having mercy and patience with us, Lord. You're waging a spiritual war for our souls, for the souls of everybody here on earth. And Lord, you're... you're patient to let us have the opportunity to come to faith in you. But Lord, we also recognize that the enemy is trying to fight against everything you're doing at every step. And you tolerate that for a time, God, but there's going to be a day when you bring it all down, Lord. You bring everyone to justice, including Satan and his demons. But until that day comes, Lord, we will remember that you are greater. That when we put our faith in you, when we ask for forgiveness for our sins, asking you to be our Lord and our Savior. Whenever you, whenever you are our Savior, Lord, you save us from sin and death. And any attack from the enemy will never, ever overcome us. Lord, we just pray for wisdom as we go throughout our lives, not being scared of the enemy, but Lord, that we would be scared of you, God, because you are so much more powerful than anything Satan could ever dream up of. And we are so glad you are on our side, working for us. We love you. We thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.